Welcome to The Lucrative Society. I'm your host, Mindy Kniss. And I'm Sean Stevenson. Enjoy the show. Welcome back. Today, we are joined by truly one of my favorite people. I've told him this and he probably doesn't believe me, but it's actually true. And we'll get into some of the details about why that is. But first, let me welcome our guest today, Josh Fazzoni. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Heck yeah, we're super excited. Josh, one of the things that we'd love to start with on this show is to talk to the various entrepreneurs that we are speaking with and get kind of the broad strokes of their career so we can understand how they arrived at where they are today. So could you walk us through just a little bit of your entrepreneurial journey and talk about where you're at right now? Sure, I'll do that. I started, uh, I grew up in Iowa, so I grew up in the Midwest in a tiny little town. And my father, there was about 8,000 people that lived in the town. And my father and mother ran a hardware store. So a little true value hardware store. So I grew up in an entrepreneur environment. Business wasn't a scary thing. So that I, I feel I had a leg up there. And I did all sorts of things as a kid. To, you know, I, I had a lawn mowing service, a house painting service, a snow removal service. So I was always hiring my friends and uh, doing things uh, to not have to work for my father. It was really the main, the main thing. I didn't want to work at the store. From there, I got a job at, out of college. I graduated with a biology degree and uh, worked for a guy named Bill Phillips. First job out of college, he wrote a book called Body for Life. And there I met our mutual friend, Joe Polish, who was a consultant for Bill, and started getting out of the science end of things and into the, into the marketing end of things for the business, writing copy, uh, was you know going to Gary Halbert conferences and Dan Kennedy and learning all these uh, new ways to market, which opened a whole world for me. I remember one of the first marketing books I ever read was Gary Halbert's How to Make uh, Maximum Money in Minimum Time, and it just completely changed my trajectory. I didn't even know that existed, you know. Uh, so it, so from then I uh, left EAS and started multiple companies. The current company is BioTrust Nutrition with my partner Joel Marion, and we've done some pretty incredible things together there as a team. And so that's, in a quick nutshell, that's, that's where I'm at right now. Awesome. So a lot of what we talk about on this show is the intersection between wealth and happiness. And we always talk about, we know a lot of people that have made some great money, but they're miserable. And sure. then we know people that are happy, but they're broke. So <laughs> let's you know, see how we can do this because we believe, as I think you do also, that you can have both and that you can do both. And it, it maybe doesn't even have to be that hard. So here's one of the things specifically that I want to ask you about. And if you'll allow me, it's just a, a hint of backstory too. I want to tell you why I'm asking you this. So in my entrepreneurial journey, a lot of it was about giving back. And that was hugely important to me. And I was always sponsoring kids and doing trips to Africa and really all kinds of things, working with Habitat for Humanity, lots and lots of stuff. But what it turned into for me is more like a, almost like being a martyr. Like I was just giving away all the money that I was making or any money that I was making, I was just giving it away. And it turned into this martyr situation, which obviously wasn't good. And that caused a lot of financial havoc in my business and life. But I know for you, part of your company vision and, and your personal vision is to also give back a lot. 
but I don't see that being a martyr situation in your case. I see it as this very abundant situation. And I wondered if you could just speak to that, the, the giving back side, but also how you find the balance of doing more good in the world, but also having a really abundant life yourself. Sure. So I think I had a lot of deservance issues coming up in my 20s, having come from a family without a lot of money, having some mental thoughts and paradigms that, you know, money is not a good thing. You know, we lived in a part of town and the rich people lived on another part of town and we weren't part of them and we were more, you know, blue collar. Uh, I had a lot of these thoughts in my mind. Even my dad ran a store. He had a lot of deservance issues. I think I got from him and he didn't want to expand and do multiple stores around the state. He wanted to run a small store, um, didn't make a lot of money. And he was fine with that. It was kind of the suffering was was almost looked at as a good thing. Um, and so I had a lot to get over there in my young entrepreneurial career around those thoughts. And what I found along the way is that if I was giving back and doing good in the world, it helped me overcome my own deservance issues because I felt like I was getting up in the morning, not as just a narcissistic, selfish thing, but it was so that I was actually helping other people along the way, raising the water, so to speak, for everyone. And so with Biotrust, for example, uh, on our order form, we put a, an opportunity for customers if they wanted to donate one, five or $10 to the Make-A-Wish Foundation, we would match whatever they donated. So over the years, six, seven years, we've been doing Biotrust now, we've raised $2 million, and then we matched that on top of that. So that's like 400 wishes. It's it's been amazing. And we get hands-on involved with that too, which really grounds us. And we talk about that as a team. Um, there's lots of cool wish stories I could share with you, but uh, I'm sure we'll get into some of those. The other thing we do with each order at Biotrust is we feed a hungry child for a day through uh, No Kid Hungry. And so we've done several million meals through them as well. So really we tied in uh, every positive thing that happens for us as a company is in terms of an order or helping a customer, there's a side benefit that, that happens for our community. And so it's just built in and it's baked in. So we don't have to think about it. You know, some people, including myself in the past, you get to the end of the month and you don't have much left in some of those lean months. And so you don't contribute. And then that becomes a habit. And then pretty soon years go by and you really haven't been giving back. So we just tied it right in. So there's no thoughts around it. Even when we have lean months, sometimes we're still giving. And so that's been really pivotal for our company. I think our customers love it. It's helped us from um, hiring really great employees because they see what we do and know we have a heart and they want to come work for us instead of somebody else, even though someone else may pay them more money or, you know, they want to contribute in a different way. It's helped with employee retention. It's helped with all kinds of things, but, it all started with just really wanting to give back. And then Joel and I also give a certain percentage of our income away. We don't talk about it. We do a lot of different charities. We don't talk about that publicly because I feel that, uh, you know, it, it's not the, it, it's not the, uh, what we're trying to do there. We're just trying to sincerely give back. Uh, and so we do that as well, but charity is huge for our company and, and what we do. And uh, I would encourage entrepreneurs out there, even if you're, just starting up is to tie it into something small 
So each time you have a win, it's a win for everyone else, including the customer, including you know, whatever uh, charity you want to support. Josh, you know, uh, you and I share something in common. I don't even know if you know this, which is you've given a ton to Make-A-Wish. And when I was younger, I received a wish from Make-A-Wish. And yeah. can I tell you that story? Uh, you, you mentioned it to me, but I'd like to hear the whole story. Well, that, that's uh, the whole story in a nutshell is that's how I met Tony Robbins. And I wanted to meet Tony Robbins. And I was always wanting to be a professional speaker when I was a kid. I did a little bit of speaking for free here and there. And then I met Tony Robbins and just opened up a whole world of opportunity. So that wish was a pivotal part of my life. But I'm curious to hear about some of the wishes that you granted that companies granted that really stuck with you that you could share with us. Yeah, the first one we did, uh, Antonio, he, he um, I forget what kind of cancer he had. There's a long name, but he had cancer. He was wheel, wheelchair bound. They noticed it when he was running that he was kind of skipping uh, when he was a small child. And then it, it, it was some form of cancer and uh, he could no longer run and play with his, with his brothers and sisters. And so he wanted to swim with dolphins in Hawaii. And so Kim and I met them over in Oahu and swam with dolphins and watched him swim with dolphins. And then we all went to a big luau. That was something. And that hooked us because if you see a child who can't run and play anymore and it's kind of, it's wheelchair bound and um, he's out there playing with dolphins and that was his wish. It's such a healing experience. And, and the Make-A-Wish has so many stories about children who are not doing well or are sick and they have this amazing wish and it turns around for them. You know, there's all kinds of those stories we hear about all the time. So that was the first one. And that was, you know, I'm just even thinking about it, just trying to keep it together a little bit because that was really emotional. And yeah, another one was here in Austin, little boy, also wheelchair bound, also had some form of cancer. He wanted to have a wheelchair accessible treehouse so that when his friends came over that he could play with them in the backyard. And so we aligned with Make-A-Wish and a company that built these amazing tree houses and they built a ramp and it was a super long ramp to get him up into the tree house. And then he had all kinds of, you know, pulley systems and trap doors and all kinds of stuff built into this tree house. And we had a big reveal party and his school bus uh, pulled up and they let all the kids from his class come out and they all came and we, you know, had a big party and, really enjoyed this uh, treehouse, and that was just uh, a couple years ago. And so they send us updates and, and it's just things like that, that give people hope and give children an opportunity to be, to be like other kids, you know, have some light and happiness in their life with all those visits to the doctor. And Sean, you know all about this. I mean, it's rough on these children. And so anything we can do to give them, their families, some, some hope and happiness where we're all on board for. And so that's, that's two of, you know, 400 wishes that we've done. Josh, so. you know now when I'm in Austin, you and I are going to have to go check out this handicapped accessible treehouse because I've never been in a treehouse. I'm so. pretty sure you want one. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to need to check it out and see if it's something I need to do. <laughs> yeah, well, let's go over because I'd like to check in as well. That'd be great. That's so awesome. And that just speaks to what I was talking about earlier. That's why you – you and your company, you're, you guys are one of my favorite like, things and such a great role model and example for other entrepreneurs out there, especially because 
you guys are not doing it as a tactic or as, you know, I feel like today a lot, there's a lot of talk about ever since maybe Tom's shoes came out, people were like, Oh, we should be doing something like that. Like a one for one or a give back or something. And they do it more of like a, a way to gain notoriety or, or for some press. And, and you guys are doing it truly from the heart, which I, I just so, so appreciate. Yeah, we should. I mean, we, we don't really talk about it a whole lot. The only press we've done is the local Austin TV uh, news station came out with that, with that wheelchair accessible treehouse. I'll have to send you guys the link. Totally. And uh, we didn't line that up or anything. So a lot of this, these things, we intentionally don't try to get press. We mention it on social media once in a while because we're proud of it. Uh, we're proud to give back. And we're, we're proud to help. Uh, it's just really cool. And, you know, I thank my parents for that because when I grew up in Iowa, in the winter, every winter at Christmas, uh, we, would f- we would go around and feed three families on Christmas Eve. And in rural Iowa, I mean, there's a lot of poor families, just out, all over America when you get outside, the, well, even in the cities, everywhere, there's pa- families that need help. And so my father and mother would talk to the school systems and see what kids really probably wouldn't get a, a Christmas, a Christmas dinner and Christmas gifts. And we would go out and do at least three of them. Sometimes we'd be four or five. And I just remember some of my earliest memories was delivering food and gifts to an Iowa farmhouse in the winter. And I remember having to roll across the snow because it was too deep where you would walk and it would go up to your waist because I was probably like six or seven, eight or something. Going to the back of this house and deliver, and they had a kerosene heater in the back of the house in like a you know, family room or something in the back of the house, old, super old farmhouse, and delivering these kids. Uh, gifts and and uh, Christmas dinner and just the looks on their face and just the the feeling that we got from that as a family and how important that was was really important. So if if people have kids out there, I would highly encourage you to get your kids involved young because uh, what a great seed to plant where later on in life they might go away from it for a while, but they'll come back to that feeling. And they'll come back to wanting to help other people and uh, just made, made a really big impact. Jeff, there's uh, something I adore about you, and that is uh, your relationship. You know, every time you are talking about the successes that you've had, uh, the adventures you've been on, you always include Kim in the conversation. Uh, and I know that uh, most of the time I'm getting elbowed under the table because Mindy's like, can't you be more like Josh, right? So <laughs> thanks for all those elbows. Uh, <laughs> we talk we a lot about, I'll say why I'm elbowing him. We have had many, many discussions, not just with Sean, but in our group of friends, about not making like a wife just this random, like not a human. Like, what's their name? They have a name, let's put a name and like create a human person for this like my wife my wife I hear that a lot you know from men in business and so it was just I just was like hey he just he didn't even say like oh Kim who's my wife just Kim and I I'm like bingo it's that easy yeah so thanks for that uh, <laughs> I, I want to can I mention can I mention something about her by the way yeah I was, that's what I was hoping you go to Kim has a huge heart and she uh She's a VP of HR for the company. She's hired over the years 300 uh, plus employees with a small, her, her team's really small. She's really good at 
finding great people. She's a great person. And I think allows her to find great people. But she heads up a lot of these charity things for us as well. And so she's out there granting wishes on weekends, doing wish parties, finding out what the kids want to do. She doesn't post anything on social media about it. Um, it's, she just has a huge heart. And uh, she's a big reason we do so much of this and why she's always nudging me to do more and get involved, you know, make a bigger impact. And it's, it's awesome to see her interact with the kids and to be so involved with that. And, she has a huge heart. We need more people like that in this world, you know? For sure. Oh, I just, I love you guys. So, Josh, I'm going to ask you a question that we ask all of our guests. It's got four parts, and I'm going to walk you through each of them as we go. Uh, and it's going to help lay out a little bit of a roadmap for the listener on the other end here. It's an acronym, HERB, H-E-R-B, and it stands for, we'll start one letter at a time, H stands for habits. What are some of the habits you have, both in your personal and professional life, that you feel has contributed to your wealth and happiness? One is a continuous learning. So many people that I that quote unquote kind of make it think they know it all and they take that that uh, position and stance and they kind of just keep you know repeating the same thing for 20, 30 years, it seems like. I'm under the impression that probably most of what I know is wrong and I'll change my opinion on it moving forward. And so continuously learning, reading, experimenting, um, that's been critical for me. Another, another thing is not believing my thoughts, which is something I've really worked on a lot the last couple of years. When you, I really started questioning a lot of my, uh, thoughts. And I encourage everyone out there to do that. Why are you thinking what you're thinking? Is it really true? What if it wasn't true? What if, what, what if you weren't listening to that story that you keep telling yourself, uh, especially around limitations and, and, um, and uh, what you can and can't do. So questioning thoughts, continuously learning are two of the, the biggest things I think that can have an impact on someone. And then you're going to constantly be evolving. And in business, if you're not involving, you know, you end up, my dad, here's a great example. My dad ran a hardware store, like we were talking about. Walmart moved to town in the 80s and 90s. Walmart spread all across America and like cut my dad's business in half because he wasn't, you know, evolving and, and, and changing. And pretty soon Walmart knocked out all these little mom and pop hardware stores all around the U.S. And then Lowe's came in and Home Depot and everyone else. And so if you're not learning and evolving in business, someone's going to eat your, eat your lunch. But as, as, a, as an entrepreneur, I think you have to learn and evolve and question your thoughts just to, just to find happiness too. Because for a long time, I probably, I probably wouldn't say I was really quote unquote happy until probably within the last two or three years. And it's taken a lot of work to figure out, actually, you know what everyone should do? Everyone should make a buttload of money. And then figure out that that's not the key to being happy because in essence, that's what we did. We, we hit a gold mine in business and really worked hard at it, got to the end. And I thought, wow, look, look how much we've contributed. Look how much we've made. And then I'm like, why in the world am I still not happy? I climbed the wrong ladder. Not that you shouldn't climb that ladder, but I thought it would be the end all. And it wasn't, it wasn't even close. So anyway, I think that's a bit. So 
what is the ladder that yeah, we should I be climbing? Dig into that a little more. Man, for me, it's it's been work doing the work of of um, undoing trauma, childhood trauma, self acceptance, self validation, connection with universe or source that that self love, uh, not so much working to get to a love. So so many of us work and work because we're trying to prove ourselves worthy of love, and we can work and work. And if you don't really love yourself and you haven't forgiven people from your past or forgiven yourself, uh, it just doesn't work, you know? And so it's not, it's not what people might not, might be looking for on a business call where they're looking for strategies on how to make a lot of money, but it's, it's doing the work. It's doing the meditation. I've been experimenting many more with, um, with, uh, guided psychedelics, not, not for fun by any means. It's not fun but it's been really worthwhile for me as an individual. It's been a game changer and, um, you know, doing therapy. I've, I've got, had some great therapists that have helped me through challenging times and it's just really doing the work and it's not always fun. And that's more challenging for me than, than at this point running the business and, and dri- driving revenue. You know, I can make a great Facebook ad and we can spend lots of money on Facebook ads and, and I, we can develop a product that's become easy. The, the hard work is, you know, looking in the mirror and, and doing the work there. Yeah. So from the H, we're going to move to the E, which stands for environment. And environment, I mean your home, your office, your vehicle, uh, what you allow in and what you need to uh, not allow in to your environment to create uh, the life that you enjoy. I'm happiest when... I'm by water. And so uh, Kim and I have a house on uh, Lake Austin. We go out and jet ski and boat, and that brings us a lot of happiness around water. And, and then we have a place in Maui, which we overlook the ocean. And it's, it's just so peaceful for us. And I do my best work there. I re- environment makes a huge impact for me. It has to be peaceful and serene and inspiring at, at this point in time. In the old days, I lived in like an apartment and I was staring at a wall for 12 hours a day. And then the inspiration there was to stop staring at the wall, you know, uh, (laughs) (laughs) which is driven by pain. So environment there, as far, there's an area I still need to work on is social media. I need to like unplug from it more and more and my phone in general. Uh, I have this constant love hate relationship with a lot of entrepreneurs do. I'm so much more effective when I just put the damn phone away. Uh, lock it up, whatever I have to do. And social media is such a crazy thing. So even myself, you know, we run a company that does over $100 million a year. People would say, quote unquote, I'm successful. But I look at social media and I see a lot of other people doing amazing things. And I start to feel like, oh, I'm not doing enough. I'm not worthy. I'm just a, I'm just a fraud. You know, and it's, uh, it's all these things that you let in. Or, you know, I'm just working today and my other friends are out on a yacht or, you know, all these things all these things it it hits everybody at every level no matter if you're a teenager or older and so i think i i think i need to change that environment that social media environment uh a little bit yeah go ahead the quote uh sometimes when you look over at the grass being greener on the other side it's because the grass is fake (laughs) (laughs) oh that's funny that's really funny 
So moving from environment onto the R of herb, and that is resources. And resources are books, courses, programs. What are some of the resources that you would recommend other people absorb because it will have a massive impact on their worldview and their view of business? Any resources come to mind? Uh, I recently read in the last year um, The Untethered Soul, which I thought was a fantastic book. And also, it's Michael Singer wrote that book. And he also wrote a follow-up book after that. The Surrender Surrender Experiment, which was really helpful for me because I'm always trying to control things in my mind. I'm trying to control outcomes in my mind. I'm taking on a lot of stress that I don't need to because I can't control it. But in my mind, I think I can if I keep thinking about things over and over. And if this happens, then this happens, then I'll do this. If this happens, I'll do this. I drive myself crazy. and so. I'm using up a lot of mental and emotional bandwidth trying to do that in, in the behind the scenes. And so on the days, and I don't always do this, but on the days where I can truly surrender to it, which I learned from that book, these amazing things happen. First of all, I have more bandwidth to actually make an impact and to get things done. And second of all, it just feels the flow that comes from it. It just feels like more positive things move into my life. And it's a really cool book to read about his his uh his journey i mean he ended up running a multi-billion dollar company and he had a a basically a a ranch that was a yoga retreat on his property and super interesting guy and uh all the things that unfolded for him as he surrendered to it um and just always did his best but didn't take on that mental burden of of the surrender so those are things in the last year or two i'm not perfect at all uh i'm still working on these things but they've made a big impact and then there's a lot of other resources for people who want to get into entrepreneurship. I think so many people in e-commerce these days, they forget about how to write copy on websites and emails. I mean, I learned from reading Dan Kennedy books, Joe Sugarman books. Look, Google Joe Sugarman is a dear friend of mine. He has some old copywriting books that are outstanding. How to make max, uh, let's see, the other one was Magic Words That Bring You Riches by Ted Nicholas fantastic copywriting book. So I was a copywriter first. And if you can, if you can learn through the printed word, uh, even websites, emails, how to explain the features and benefits of your product and, and move people in a positive direction. It's, it's so helpful because a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people don't know how to do that. So from the resources, we're going to go to the last step here which an herb is B, and that's beliefs. What are some of your core beliefs that you have either maybe indoctrinated because you saw somebody else have it, um, or just you've come across on your own and these beliefs have really fortified your self-esteem, your confidence, and your success? Um, yeah, b- hmm, beliefs. I think that, I think that, Good things come to people who are trying to do good. It's one of my beliefs. We've been blessed so much in life when we actually are making an impact on other people. And uh, from charitable to customers, every time I've done that, it just comes back a hundredfold. So that's the belief. And I I think it's our duty as entrepreneurs also. When you learn these skills and you do have these these skills or powers to do good things with them. Uh, 
So that's, that's a belief of ours. Through our companies, our whole, one of our whole marketing messages has just been that we don't cut corners and we do the right thing. And as crazy and simple as that sounds today, you know, we, we don't use any artificial ingredients in our products. We list every milligram of whatever is in our products where other companies hide things in, in proprietary blends and cut corners. So just doing the right thing from a quality perspective, whether you're, if you're creating content, like really create it from the heart, really give people the tools to help them change. Don't just create a program because, you know, you want to cash in on it. The same thing with a physical product. We, we just, we make really premium products and that, and that goes a long way. So I think that's just a belief of mine that you have to, you have to create something great. And then you also overcome these deservance issues. If you're putting out something super high quality, you know, as an entrepreneur or as a person, if you're half-assing it or you're putting something out there in the universe that isn't really good, and it, it comes back to bite you in the ass all the time. And something I'll tell you about beliefs. I used to think as a little kid, if you didn't get caught, then and you didn't get in trouble then you got away with it and that kind of persisted into like college and um and then it bit me in the ass in business early on where shortcutting things always bites you in the ass that what's the saying life is hard or life is easy if you live it hard something like that it's like doing what you're supposed to do going the extra mile doing the hard work it pays off in the end but shortcutting things, trying to manipulate and take advantage of people, always beats, it, you always lose. Even if you don't get caught, it's because it erodes your self-worth. When you look in the mirror in the morning, you know if you're trying to pull something off on people. And that affects you in anxiety. That affects you in depression, which I've experienced a lot of both of those in life. And um, I've done a lot of work on those. So anyway, beliefs, I think that's the biggest one. You can't. You can fool everyone else. You can never truly fool yourself. Absolutely. So I want to know, based on what you've been saying, how do you know when you're happy? What does happiness feel like to you? Honestly, I didn't know before maybe two years ago. I thought I, I was trying to buy happiness. I thought, oh, if I buy this house, I'm going to feel happy. Um, happiness... The closest I came to it in the past was when we would do charitable things. And like, I would see happiness on someone. We could bring happiness to someone else. That made me feel really happy when we could help someone out from that perspective. And then it's evolved in addition to that, where just a lot of the meditation and the, the plant medicine and I've done, specifically MDMA, has made a huge impact with me. It's just where I can literally close my eyes at this point and I can feel happiness. And it's more of a... It's more of a connection. It's more of a connection to the universe. It's more of feeling not alone. It's more or less knowing that I'm responsible for my happiness. No one else is going to swoop in and no relationship's going to make me happy. Uh, no amount of money is going to make me happy. I'm responsible for it all. It's like radical um, responsibility, I guess you would call it. And I've recently, I mean, literally in the last probably year and a half or two years, I've I felt what I think is true happiness for the first time. And it just, it, you have to clean out a lot of junk mentally in order to even find that space. I hope everyone works towards that space because it's worth all the money in the world really is. So what? <laughs> you're, you're whispering to me on the recording. <laughs> Doesn't matter, we can delete it. 
Yeah. Right, we'll edit this. I think it's I think it's authentic and I'll just oh. leave it on. <laughs> okay. I'm like writing him notes and then he's like pss, pss, pss. <laughs> right. yes. we should do a whole show just on MDMA and plant medicine. We could. we could. Yes. Josh, one of the things that we love asking people about these days and also that we're talking a lot about these days is curiosity. And thinking about things that you are curious about, things that we are curious about, if you could pick maybe the top two or three things that you are curious about right now in your life, what would they be? Wow. You know, you mentioned curiosity. Most, some of the most successful people I know are just curious uh, about all kinds of things. And, they, and I think they're also some of the happiest, too, when I think about that. Because they don't get stuck in these ruts and there's always something new and exciting. And, and um, wow, I am really interested in, um, we mentioned plant medicines, MDMA, helping more people get access to that as it becomes legal around the U.S., which it will be in the next two, three, four years. I'm already looking at investing into some facilities that will uh, be doing that. Um, they're associated with MAPS. People should check out maps.org. That's exciting for me. Um, what, what was the specific question again? Two or three things I'm curious about? Yeah, what are you curious about? Okay. So one is, one is the psychedelic world and MDMA because it's such a profound effect. Uh, another one is hypnosis, just because I've never really experimented with it too much before. I don't think I was open enough to it. And I think that it can help a lot of people. I'm really curious about hypnosis in the mind and how it works. And uh, let's see, travel. The third one has to be travel. I keep saying, when I sell my company or when I retire, we'll do all this traveling. And then Kim and I have looked at each other and we still travel quite a bit, but we're like, do it now. We can work from the road. We're always working remotely and learning from these other cultures and experiencing these other things. And it can make a really big impact. Uh, for example, we've done, uh, we built three schools with Pencils of Promise, great organization that builds schools for kids that don't have schools. We've never visited a school. My friend Lewis Howes got, uh, introduced me to the charity, and he says when you go, it's a game changer because all these kids, you know, like 100 kids will run out and hug you, and, and you'll see all the impact you're making for them. And anyway, and it'll encourage you to do more. And so I, uh, I'm really interested in going out in the world and getting out of my bubble. And I think that'll expand our horizons a bit. There's, there's so much, I know, we all know there's so much poverty and so much struggle in the world that we kind of turn a blind eye to it, especially when you live in America, because if you were born in America, you've already really hit the, the jackpot. I mean, think about it. You have most people, not all, but have access to, you know, clean water and opportunity. And um, there's organizations that'll help. And I think if you get to these other third world countries, there's, there's none of that. I mean, it's just a different ball game, and I really want to experience that and, and try to lend a hand where I can. Those are, those are things I think I'm most interested in, which is funny, because when I was 20 or 22, I would have been like Lamborghini, uh, pretty girls, you know what I mean? And so the evolution, is, the evolution is important, and people who don't evolve and get stuck in that materialistic world, I think it's a dead-end dead road after a while. Yeah, for sure. Well, I would say we probably don't have any 22-year-olds thinking like that on this program <laughs> because it's like, that's not that interesting. You know, it just, it just isn't that interesting or that, that big. Um, I, I, think the, I think the new generations are different than what we were growing up in the, you know, I think they are more socially conscious and they're environmentally conscious and it's awesome. 
people seem to complain about the younger generation. I think they're going to be far better than us, actually. Yeah, they're going to be the ones that end up saving the whole <laughs> the whole thing that we screwed <laughs> up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I do want to say you should probably come to Kenya with us when we go next year to see schools and do awesome stuff like that. I think you and Kim would love it. So I'm just going to plug that right here. Yes, that so sounds cool. In June of 2020. Nice. That sounds really cool. Josh, as we close this out, what I would love is if you would just close your eyes and instead of speaking in your head, I want you to speak direct from your heart to our listener that is maybe stuck, struggling, frustrated, or just huge goals, but don't, they don't know like, you know, how to stick with it on days that it's difficult. You can speak direct to them from your heart. What would you say? Well, this is this one's interesting. For me, I had um, I had so many walls built up. So if I'm speaking directly from my heart, at least I can do it now. Because before, I don't think I really could. And I think so many of us, there's relationships with our parents, relationships with with um, girlfriends, boyfriends. People close themselves off as a protective mechanism, and it really closes down your creativity. It closes down your ability to connect with people. It closes down your ability in connecting is the part of business as well. So I would encourage people just to, to remain open no matter what, if that makes sense. And I made that agreement with myself from a, a heart standpoint. It sounds a little airy fairy maybe, but remaining open no matter what, even if someone hurts you or no matter what has happened in the past or no matter what your story is, remaining, keeping your heart open, it just makes such a positive impact because it's really more and more about not, not necessarily what happens to you, but what you, uh, how you respond to it. Because everyone's going to struggle. Everyone's going to have hard times. And it's just that voice in your head that you've got to learn to tell to shut up and, and, uh, and you know, remain open. So just from a holistic standpoint, that's, that's the advice I would give most coming from my heart. So many times I'd shut down in the past. And it just, when you completely shut down, it just destroys relationships. Uh, it, it ruins business. It, it, you start to feel you're not worthy. You start a closed heart. And clo it just ends up being a closed mind. Clo it, you, opportunity that could have happened doesn't. That would be one. And then the other thing I would just say is, is uh, I think a lot of people, forgiveness will really set you free. It's a cliche, but it really will. So many people are harboring these feelings against people that did them wrong. And all it's doing is hurting yourself. Those people aren't even thinking about it. So all you're doing is, is hurting yourself. And then for me, one of the biggest things, and I'll just share this, uh, when my first MDMA experience, I went through and I was forgiving. I felt in this blissful state and I was forgiving all these people that I felt had wronged me. One of my good friends was sitting with us. He's very experienced in this type of thing. And he said, uh, now how about some forgiveness for yourself? And that just hit me like a two by four because I've never even thought of the concept before. And uh, I think that's really important for the things that we've done wrong, the people we've mistreated for the situations we haven't handled appropriately. You got to have a lot of compassion for yourself because when you start having compassion for yourself, then I think you can truly have compassion for other people. I don't think you can unless you, you know, first have compassion for yourself. I think it's really difficult. So, you know, this is the uh, Josh 2.0 talking from the heart. 
this is probably, this is definitely not the Josh that would have been speaking to you, you know, five, six years ago. And Josh, where can our listener learn more about you or what you're involved with? Like, where do you want them to go after they finish this interview? I wish I had a book out or something. I think that's something on my to-do list that I'm going to write a book about this whole experience uh, down the road. But if you check out Biotrust Nutrition and what we're doing, the Biotrust Instagrams and, and, um, and Facebook, you get a lot more information about what we're doing. I'm so bad at social media. I'm not trying to be a guru. I do uh, podcasts every once in a while. And I think that's the next phase of life too, is once I exit out of this business phase, it's more of a going into a service. So anyway, you're not going to be very impressed with my Instagram game or, or uh, social media, but you can also just Google my name and check out other podcasts. That'd actually be the best things. I get into more business strategies and things with, you know, Mike Dillard and Lewis Howes and, and, and uh, Joel Marion podcast, but I show up on really close friends podcasts once in a while and try to give back. That's my way of giving back. So I don't have anything to really promote. Well, they can watch our movie when we produce it at some point, Josh. You know, that's uh, a hidden dream of mine is to come out with a movie with you. You told me about a great movie idea. I love, his, I love your movie idea. And I think that we should work on that because uh, for, for me, it's, it's the next stage. I want to do independent films and that really tell a story. And, and uh, we'll see if I actually can pull this off. But we'll see. I just want to say I appreciate both of you, too, and what you're doing in the world. Whenever I have something going on, even recently with Sean, I, I called Sean and took time out of his day to kind of help me through things. And you guys are shining lights in the world and, and appreciate you so much. So I think you're going to do great with this podcast. And, and uh, Sean, if you haven't seen Sean speak out there, I'm sure people have that have listened to this. You're one of the best and really, really moving. So lo you. love you guys and appreciate what you do. Love you too. And thanks for your time today and really appreciate all your wisdom. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure and subscribe to The Lucrative Society on iTunes and leave a review of the podcast. For more information on our programs, visit our website at lucra.com. That's L-U-C-R-A dot com.